Welcome to the program brought to you by MyBuildReview.com. MyBuildReview.com brings you the best prices for your business, home, and office on your essential services needs. Give them a call at 561-281-6099 or you can go online to MyBuildReview.com and request a free quote on all your essential services needs. Wow. The Last Dance, episodes 9 and 10 are complete and are in the canon. And I want to thank um, the Four Letter Network, a.k.a. ESPN, a.k.a. The Mothership, for bringing this together a lot quicker than they may have wanted to or needed to. And uh, you can tell some of the edits and some of the stuff that was left on the cutting room floor. Um, that were rumored to be in the pro um, in this particular um, showcase of ten episodes, but man, it would have taken us through a great summer after the NBA Finals. But of course, everything's halted because of COVID and things of that nature. But getting a full breath and time to breathe after this particular these last two episodes, and um, just taking a stroll down memory lane now. For all of you that don't know. Um, I was born in 85, so when Jordan's career kicked off is when I was born. Um, when I first, first fell in love with basketball, I was watching Magic Johnson's Big Smile win NBA titles in 88, um, 87 or 88. And um, that's when I fell in love with basketball. So my my love for basketball came with a smile from Magic. Um, I had the the purple and gold converses. Um, He was my guy. So please understand, um, as much as I like Michael Jordan and love the shoes and love the branding and spent time in Illinois and things of that nature. So, you know, the Chicago Bulls were my first actual team. But Magic Johnson was my first player. So my reverence for Magic um, far exceeds my reverence for Michael Jordan, full disclosure. But at the same time, I recognize, um, and this is going to be a theme throughout all of my podcasts um, when it comes to opinions and based um, subject matter versus, um, you know, fact based or what I'm, you know, trying to predict or prognosticate. I recognize that just because I just saw something great is not the greatest thing that has ever been seen in my eyes and or wasn't the greatest thing that I ever witnessed or was the greatest thing that anybody else in the history of man has ever witnessed. So I take what my elders say, not with a grain of salt, but I actually take it and go, hey, let me go research this a little bit. Let me see how great these players were before I start saying, you know, what I saw was the greatest thing ever. Or what I just saw was the greatest thing ever. I don't do this ESPN thing where they say something to the effect of this person's the greatest to do it in this particular type of situation, in this particular type of moment, just to, you know, edify and pacify those that um, are watching the game and hyping it up. I don't do this Nick Wright, first things first, first take, hot take crap that are perpetuated in today's media. So you think that what you're seeing is just, you know, the end all be all. What I do is I take a look at what's going on. 
I take in nuance and um, then I give my opinion when it's an opinion based type of subject matter because the stuff has already happened. Um, with that being said, that's the last dance. Um, and what I think the last dance did as an impact on culture today, especially in this COVID-19 um, circumstance, what it has done is stripped everyone of recency biases that have been placed within them. And if you don't think that you have recency bias or you're not influenced by your recency bias, it's something called the mere exposure effect. When you think you like a car, per se, and you go and look for the said car, then all of a sudden you're interested in it to no end. And before you know it, once you have it, it seems like everybody else had it or has it now that you got it. That's a part of recency bias. It's something that you are now aware of. So it becomes a part of your mental psyche. You're constantly looking for it to gratify, to edify and to um, justify how you believe going forward. Sometimes you just need to take a deep breath and recognize what you're seeing. And the last dance helped take us back to a time where, you know, um, the greatest player on the planet to ever walk to earth as of right now, Michael Jeffrey Jordan, um, (laughs) he left us on a high note, the second retirement, then probably will never be duplicated ever again on both retirements for that matter. Um... I'm oh, sorry, on his first two retirements for that matter. His third, of course, was an ego boost um, to him so that he can, you know, justify the picks that he made when he was with the Washington Wizards. And so he got on the floor to try to prove Kwame Brown could be used correctly, um, to prove Rip Hamilton was a good player, to prove all these other players that were on that team were worth it. Um, and it turns out they just weren't. Um But we're not here to talk about GM Michael Jordan. We're here to talk about the player Michael Jordan. Um, In the last two episodes, you got to see the last two finals in all their glory in the pathway to getting there prior to in episodes six, seven, um, five, six, seven, and eight. But in the seventh, I'm sorry, in the ninth and tenth episodes, you got to see Michael's arguably toughest finals and not because of not just who he faced but the well-rounded competition that he did face in the Indiana Pacers Uh, full disclosure outside of um, at this point in time outside of the Bulls the Pacers were my favorite team to watch because Reggie Miller and what he did in 19 seconds scoring eight points in 19 seconds in the garden um, was simply amazing. And my dad's favorite team was the Knicks because during the 1972 Dolphins season, guess who won the NBA Finals? The New York Knicks. So he became a Knicks fan and a Dolphins fan. That's how he became a Knicks fan. Um, and they always gave the Knicks trouble. They bodied the bleeping Knicks, and I loved it, loved them for it. Um, but uh, that team um, was stacked. Um, a second year Jalen Rose. Um, um, you got uh, Reggie Miller. Um, you got um, Chris Mullen, 
who is a Hall of Famer. You got Dale and um, Antonio Davis, the Davis um, guys. You had Rick Smith's Duncan Dutchman, um, basically one of the best Euros to ever come across the pond early on. Um, you had um, um, yeah, an all-star coaching staff with Larry Bird as your head coach. You got Rick Carlisle on the bench with Larry Bird, um, who Rick Carlisle will eventually become that team's coach. Um, Larry Bird's in his rookie season as a head coach, so he knows exactly what he's dealing with when it comes to Jordan and the Bulls. Um, that team was really, really good. Mark Jackson, that point guard, um, who was fresh off of being off those Knicks squads, so he was a tough character in himself. And then you got Reggie Miller. Back to Reggie Miller again, fearless. Another thing that you can't ever say about Reggie was he didn't care who you were because he grew up with Cheryl Miller, the GOAT of all women's basketball. So he had Cheryl Miller talking junk to him. And just to give you a little glimpse of who Cheryl Miller was, Reggie Miller was this hot shot um, high school basketball player, but they always talk about him being the kid brother to Reggie Miller. I mean, to Cheryl Miller. And Reggie, thinking he hot shit, scored 78 points in a high school basketball game or something like that. And on the same night, he's thinking, oh, man, I'm going to brag on, uh, brag to my sister. You know, I want to know how she did in her game because when she tell me what she did in her game, you know, I'm going to tell her how I dropped 78 on these clowns. And next thing you know, his sister gets in the car. And he's like, so, Cheryl, how'd you do today? How, how was your game? And Cheryl Miller goes, I dropped 100. And he goes, excuse me? It's like, yeah, I dropped 100. How'd you do? And... He just pouts, and his mom is dying laughing because she knew what he wanted to say to her. And dad's in the front seat like, what? What's going on? And um, he, he didn't even get it out. And she was like, Reggie had something to tell her, but Reggie doesn't want to say it anymore. He had a great game, too. I'm like, what? So how do you do? Dad's asking, and Reggie won't say. And dad pulls over the car and stops the car. And as the story goes, is he's threatening to... You know, give Reggie a whipping for not talking because he's being rude at this point. And Reggie says, I scored 78. And Cheryl dies laughing because she just knew he wanted to rub it in her face how he scored all these buckets. But she dropped 100. Go pull it up. It's amazing how great Cheryl Miller really was. And there was no WNBA for her to go to. So she had to go play Euro ball. And then she became a sideline reporter. And that's how you know Cheryl Miller as you know her today. Um, she basically turned into Robin Roberts when it comes to NBA telecasts and sideline reporting too. But um, Reggie had no fear. Um, they used to have this UCLA, North Carolina type thing, basketball exhibition um, on the West Coast after the seasons. And uh, it was organized by, you know, Magic Johnson and that crew. James Worthy and then Zeke would come over and play because they were all good friends. Um, but Reggie Miller, hot shot basketball player coming out, 87 draft. And uh, he thinking he going to put on a display versus Michael Jordan. And Jordan, you know, him go back and forth. And Jordan comes back to Krause and says, hey, you should drive that kid Miller out of UCLA. That's how much respect Jordan had for him when he was coming out. But um, Krause, of course, drafted Scottie Pippen. And who, can, who can blame him? But just imagine this. Reggie Miller is on that team with the Bulls as opposed to Scottie Pippen. Now, the team dynamic would have been a little bit different, but Reggie Miller's game is a compliment to Michael Jordan. He runs around screens. He does a lot of different things, and him and the triangle would be a, set, a good 
access point in that offense. Don't get it twisted. But Scottie Pippen's ball handling nature and also doing all the dirty work was a perfect number two to what Michael did. So it's kind of hard to dispute what he would have won and wouldn't have won. But just please understand this. Reggie Miller in the triangle would have worked if they wouldn't have gotten Scottie Pippen because he was picked at number 11. The Bulls picked number four pick, um, traded number four, um, eight for the number four pick to get Scottie Pippen. But if they would have stayed at number eight, they could have drafted Reggie Miller and Horace Grant in that draft as opposed to Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant. So it still wouldn't have been it still would have been a win win if had Krause had listened to um had listened to Michael Jordan on that particular move. Now getting back to it, Reggie Miller and Michael have an epic series versus each other. Reggie has to push off to get the game winner in game um four. <laughs> um and um you know it goes a full seven. Jordan hadn't gone seven in since basically um facing off against the Pistons in a game seven loss in 1990. That was the last time he went to a game seven period. So going to 1990 all the way down to 1998. And yeah, went to a game seven. And Jordan pulled it out. And he ended up winning the game um, and snatching the hearts out of the Indiana Pacers, who thought they were the better team. But in my opinion, the better team won because they won the finals. And then you move on to, you know, the 1997 series where um, NBA Finals where Karl Malone and um, Stockton, a first-time appearance in the finals, beating out Hakeem Olajuwon, um, Charles Barkley, and um, Clyde Drexler um, for them to earn the right to finally face the Bulls in the finals after failing to get there when um, the Sonics played and then failing to get there again when they played... um, Carl Malone and uh, John Stockton, who finally broke through. Both of them were the last two pretty much dream team members to, you know, make it to the finals outside of David Robinson at this point because Mully had made it and so on and so forth. But, you know, um, this is how it went. You know, the dream team, all their participants made the finals, if not won it. So that's that's how you know you constructed a good roster. Even Christian Leitner and Shaq, they were on the same squad at the Miami Heat squad who won it. NBA Finals in 2005. Um, so uh, you fast, you you rewind back to that 97 Finals, their first time being there, they get blown out in Game 2. Um, game 3, they end up winning Game 4. They end up winning, then Bulls take 5. Or sorry, Game 4, Bulls win, and they win Game 5. And then Game 6, Bulls close them out. And that's how it went. Again, um, you move over to 1998 and fast forward, and they face off again. And that year, the Bulls had not beaten the Jazz. The Jazz swept the season series two to zip. And there you go. It sets the table for Jordan and the Bulls that have to face the Jazz game one and game two in the Jazz building. Jazz win game one, game two. Jordan, you know, wins it. Then they split in Chicago after a blowout win by the Bulls in game three and game four. Um, the Jazz win game five, the Bulls win, and then they go back to game six. And game six, um, unbeknownst to me, I remember watching this game and I couldn't remember that um, Scottie Pippen got hurt and his back was out. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, didn't didn't remember that. I just remember Jordan carrying the load scoring wise. 
Kerr throwing in a couple buckets here and there. Rodman having a good game here. Um, good game on the rebounding tip, but Carl Malone and Stockton were just really bad matchups at key positions. Because um, Malone rebounded as good as Rodman. He gave it as much as he took it when it came to energy. That's what Carl Malone was. He was an energy guy. He was always physically fit, always in shape, all this other great stuff. And he was the antithesis of what Dennis Rodman was. He was your reserved guy, didn't want his business out in public. Yeah, he did his own dirt, but at the end of the day, nobody knew about his own dirt. And it was so much so the anti-role of Dennis Rodman that um, he ended up joining up when Dennis Rodman was off doing his WCW thing with NWO. He ended up joining um, Diamond Dallas Page to help you know, get some revenge for Diamond Dallas Page getting beat up and roughed up by Dennis Rodman as Rodzilla with Hulk Hogan and stuff. <laughs> like, um, that's the anti-role. Both of them jacked, physically fit guys, energy guys, going back and forth, beating each other up, familiar with each other because Dennis played in San Antonio when um, Malone was, you know, doing his thing over in um, Utah, and then they face off each other again in the finals. And back-to-back years, they giving it to each other as much as they took it. Malone had a great series. Stockton had a great series. And they're on key points of where the Bulls aren't as great. The Bulls are great with Scotty and Michael um, and Rodman. But, you know, Malone would get, get somehow get on somebody like Luke Longley sometimes or even going against Rodman. And he would dominate. And Stockton was a monster. In my opinion, the third best point guard of all time is John Stockton. It's literally Magic, Z, and Stockton. And Stockton, like, he hit game winners to send the games to game five or game six in pivotal moments. Otherwise, the the Jazz are getting swept. He's an all-time leader in steals, all-time leader in assists. And yet, this guy gets no love. You put stuff ahead of him, but... And I get it to a point, but, man... For me, John Stockton is the guy at number three. Steph would be number four, in my opinion. But even still, you know, it's neither here nor there. I know it's an unpopular opinion. But he was not afraid of Michael. He wasn't afraid of anything that the Bulls had to offer, and you saw it. And, um, well, getting back to game six, you know, the Bulls just had nothing left to give. If you are so prone to recency bias, the best thing that I can tell you is, is all these trips that the Warriors made to the finals in, in an Olympic season and so on and so forth. With all those trips that they made to the finals, I believe it was four straight runs with Steph, Clay, Draymond, and um, or five. I forget, it was four or five, four, four straight trips. Um, Steph and Draymond and Iggy, they broke, they broke down in the fourth straight finals. You had... I think Steph was out with a quad for some parts of the playoffs, the beginning parts of the playoffs. Then when he finally gets back and on track, you got KD who goes down with a calf strain that turns into a ruptured Achilles. You got Clay in the NBA Finals um, game two or game three blowing his ACL. Um, you see the totality and the toll it takes to run 82 games and then play well into June just to come back in again in October. Um it just it just wrecked them. So um, Michael goes out and he carries the scoring load, and then 
uh, a magical sequence towards the end of the game where he rips Carmelo and comes back down. Phil decides not to call a timeout and knocks down the last shot on the Air Jordan 14s, all black with the red. <sighs> magical shot that holds the pose and wins the game. And then plays defense to make sure the game's closed out. And Stockton um, misses a three-pointer that was tipped by Ron Harper to close out the game and close out the series and close out the six. But um, as exhausting as all that sounds, the main thing is is why it was called the last dance. And they tie off all the loose ends um, towards the last 20 minutes of the um, dock. And how they tie it off is they let you see the championship um, celebration. They let you see um, an inside glimpse of how everything kind of culminates. You see it all in this one magical sequence of events. The Bulls win the title. It's not even nightfall yet. Jordan's joking around about um, he could probably get in a round of golf. Um, they head back to the hotel. And similar to the Olympics, the pandemonium in Bleep in Salt Lake City, Utah. It's crazy. They get back to the hotel and it's like the Beatles show up. And they want to celebrate and run a parade like as if they're in downtown Chicago and Grant Park. Like, you can't put a level of fame that Jordan was. He was literally the most famous person on the planet at that point in time in 1998. And there's no Twitter there's no Facebook. AOL is dial-up. <laughs> um, there is no way for him to directly communicate to the public other than to schedule an interview with Ahmad Rashad or Bob Costas or somebody like that. So if he can't tweet and he can't do all these things, but he is larger than life famous to the point where in the rival city where he won a title in the rival town on the rival's home floor, Yet the rival city is celebrating him as if he was back home in Chicago. Crazy fame. And you knew, even without, even while knowing what was about to happen next, you could understand if they didn't run it back, why he wouldn't come back. He could not even breathe. He's talking to the press while celebrating with a cigar. He's being accommodating is hell but how accommodating can you be where you can't even breathe the next three days you go back home to Chicago you celebrate with the team and then Reinsdorf calls back and calls Phil and says man you earned the right to run it back and go get number seven but the team is going to be rebuilding now if you're Phil you don't even know if you want to come back to do this exhausting procedure over again after being basically undermined by the GM the whole entire time. But the owner is about to undermine him. So he's going to bring back Phil. But he doesn't bring back Phil, right? So he's going to bring back Phil. But he's going to rebuild the team. If Michael wants to stay, he's going to stay. So that means good chance because Mike, um, Scotty was so dumb with his I want to renegotiate. For sure, Scotty's gone. But then he's saying, I can't bring back Kerr. I can't bring back Ron Harper. I can't bring back Rodman. So if you can't bring back the top five players outside of Jordan, what are you rebuilding around? Please tell me. 
what are you rebuilding around? I don't know who the key free agents were that year, but I couldn't see myself as Phil Jackson just saying, yeah, I can do it. I got Michael. <laughs> like, I couldn't see it. I know Michael could have gotten them to take one-year deals, and he, he explained that in the, in the doc, but I, they, were, they were going to do what they were going to do. And um, my Bulls haven't been back really back to that point since. They haven't drafted a Michael Jordan. They drafted Derrick Rose. Bad knees. They drafted um, Kirk Heinrich, Lou Alding, Joe Kim Noah. Um, the list goes on and on and on. Jimmy Butler. None of these players are there. Laurie Markkinen. Not really that good. It's a trade for Zach Levine. Like, they have not been as popular or gotten it back to where they needed to get it back to really run it back and be the Bulls that they once were. So, that's the last dance. Um, it was a fun series. Enjoyable series. Um, the things that people had to do during this time of no live sports and things of that nature... Um, was admirable. Um, all these lists that we put out, I want to address them, but the podcast is just running way too long. Um, just for the, even the explanation, I try to keep these to 15 minute glimpses, but these last four episodes were, so, I mean, sorry, last five episodes have been so in depth that you kind of had to like tackle it the way you tackled it. And I'm glad that I had an opportunity to do so. Um, um, I also want to you know, just say thank you for everybody who's listening, giving me the clicks and the activity. I appreciate it. It's been great seeing that, um, seeing me grow. I'm going to start some, you know, video um, interviews coming here really, really soon. Um, but um, I also have a new sponsor as well that I want to put on. Um, so it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. And um, hopefully this thing grows um, and, you know, you guys are enjoying it. I'm not really doing it for the, the money. I'm just doing it for you know, the love and just get my opinions out there a little bit. I'll give you my thoughts on what's coming up next. Again, this was a blast. Last dance. <laughs> like I said before in the beginning. Just because you saw something great just now. It's not the greatest thing you probably ever are going to see in your lifetime. But as far as Michael Jordan is concerned, he's still the GOAT. And there needs some needs to be some serious consideration or reconsideration of what you guys think is second or third or fourth or fifth on that list of NBA all-time greats. Because as far as I'm concerned, nobody who's playing currently is in the top five. And I'm going to leave it at that. The Last Dance, thank you um, for giving me these five weeks of content. Appreciate it. This is the Program Podcast. Um, Again, um, coming to you live from the MyBillReview.com studios, MyBillReview.com. Give them a call at 561-281-6099. They'll give you a quote on how you can save money on your essential services from security to... um, Merchant services and the other and the like. Give them a call again. It's 561-281-6099 or go to mybillreview.com. That's mybillreview.com. That's M-Y-B-I-L-L-R-I. I'm sorry. R-E-V-I-E.
MyBillReview.com. Again, that's MyBillReview.com. Thanks for listening to the program. I'll talk to you guys later on in the week.